0: Right, so today we're talking to Roman. Hi, Roman. Hello. Uh, I'm glad to have you here. Uh, and today we're going to talk about the UIX library you wrote. And I think the first time I saw this is you created a video by creating a library or creating this with a closure spec, like validating the yeah. DOM and stuff. It was very interesting. I remember watching this and I was like a bit like puzzled. How did you do this? So uh, I'm really glad you're here. But maybe before we jump there, who's Roman? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Uh thanks for inviting me. Um so yeah, I'm Roman. Um I often get confused with the other Roman in Clojure community who wrote uh, Sablono library which is the interpreter for Hiccup. Uh, mm-hmm. and was created in other days but I'm a different Roman, <laughs> okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh currently I'm uh, I'm working for Pitch for the past uh 4 years I think mm-hmm. and I use Closure at work for let me think eight eight or seven years now. Mm -hmm. Um, And in general, I work more than 10, 11 years as a a web, mostly UI engineer. So I'm focused on UIs mostly. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think my career has started as a kind of like when I stopped trying everything and decided, okay, now I finally just want to do the work. Yeah. And when I, and and I realized what exactly I want to do, which is like rich uh, web applications, and that was the time when I also discovered Closure. Um, mm-hmm. So I think of myself as a as a person who has some JavaScript background, but m- most of my let's say conscious <laughs> career <laughs> was in in, in Closure Closure Script. Yeah. And yeah.
0: And how did you find Closure? Actually, it's always very interesting to hear.
1: Um. I think it was uh, somewhere uh, at the time when this famous uh, blog post from David Nolan came out, um, where he described that React can be fast with immutable data structures. Mm-hmm. And it was quite impressive, but honest, like for me, what was it, uh, impressive is that like the whole model of single global state. And when it is immutable, how nice it works with UIs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that what dragged me into Clojure. And first I've uh, I wrote at work a couple of applications in JavaScript, but I've used Mori library, which mm-hmm. is basically a Clojure standard library compiled to JavaScript. So you can use immutable data structures in JavaScript. Mm-hmm. There was also immutable JS, but since I was interested in Clojure, I tried that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And then maybe on on the course of a couple of years, I've Picked up Clojure a couple of times and dropped it because of syntax, because of, I don't know, like the unfamiliar way of doing apps. And yeah. also at the time, the compilation process, there was no shadow. Uh, and in general, ClojureScript right. didn't support NPM dependencies very well. So it was quite hard for me to get started at the time, but now it's it's much better.
0: Right, right. Uh, so UIX, what is UIX?
1: Yeah, so uh, I started. Uh, it uh, it was it was more like a hobby project. Mm-hmm. Um, I always wanted to write my own um, wrapper for React, uh, not for practical use, but just to understand okay how we can do it and like what mm-hmm. the amount of code is needed. Can we make it minimal? And right. then when uh, React got React hooks, we don't need classes anymore, right? Well, we don't yeah. even need state wrappers anymore atoms and all of that because everything is there and it's and it's just a simple um javascript function so it was really easy to do it but i still wanted to use hiccup because it's quite, it's quite cool it's flexible right you can Great. do weird stuff with it at runtime um and also i was then experimenting with closure spec and closure spec has this um kind of tra- transforming thing where you can use a spec to conform and unform data, which is like basically parsing uh, right. data into normalized data structure. Um, and it it turned out to be quite handy for hiccup parsing, because hiccup is, is like a vector sequences of data, right. and sometimes attributes are uh, optional, sometimes not, so you have to have some custom logic to like decide how to parse different types of uh, hiccup, But with spec, you can describe all of it declaratively, right, and then just mm-hmm. run a single function and it will give you back normalized data structure. Uh, so I started with that and I have uh, recorded, I don't know, like six videos on, on YouTube. They are still online, you can watch them. Uh, mm-hmm. It was quite interesting just to understand how all of that can work together, but of course, For practical use, it turned out to be super slow because, uh, I mean, uh, spec was not done for those type of tasks where you have uh, reactive UI that renders a lot or maybe like the the page is complex and you Mm -hmm. have to interpret all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, original UIX was inspired by Reagent and React with Hooks. And then on top of that, I've uh, ported some of the uh, Babel plugins from JavaScript world that uh, basically optimize uh, React components. Um, And in ClojureScript, I've done this with uh, macros and some hacking around ClojureScript compiler. And that turned out to be A really good way to learn internals of closure script so i highly recommend it not for work project because you will end up with something like babel where you have uh, to support all of your custom code that alters behavior of closure script but it's quite interesting because you'll have your hands in uh, analyzer in uh, in the compiler and you will learn that it's actually nothing hard there it's uh, it's it's a library. script is basically a library of multiple functions that read code, interpret code, and emit JavaScript code as strings. Um, right. Of course, there is like hidden complexity there, but uh, yeah. at the surface, it's it, it's 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 quite fun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, so I think I think that was original UIX. and, right. and um, yeah, of course, then I rewrote it uh, without. Uh, closure spec so it can be usable, and people started picking it up and, and, and using
0: it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was UIX1. And then, like, why, like, what led you to doing UIX2? Like, um, yeah,
1: so UIX2 <coughs> was created for Pitch uh, while, <laughs> uh, while I was working for Pitch. Uh, I think. Um, I think we did it in thousands. So at this time, at this
0: time, sorry, yeah, at this time you were using reagent and reframe.
1: Yeah, yeah. So most of uh, and then most of pitch yeah. written was, was reagent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I think and like what leads
0: you to doing? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think currently it's like fifty-fifty. Half of components is written mm-hmm. in, in reagent, and the other half is in U I X, and we have around. Three thousand UI components in uh, overall um, yeah, so uh, two years ago in two thousand twenty one we like we, we took a step back and and uh, looked at at the kind of architecture of, of the front end yeah and it was it was traditional right like, really I mean from not from implementation side of things, but from distribution side of things. So there is no code splitting, it's a single huge bundle. I think right now it's more like, more than 10 megabytes actually. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was pretty traditional, reagent, reframe, a single bundle, uh, global state. Um, But of course, when it grows, it cannot grow indefinitely because the application right. becomes slower, it's harder to introduce new features and, and especially distributed since we have a website and website sh- shares some of the features from the core app and we didn't account for code splitting so that means a lot of code that is not needed for the website is being shipped as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also for Reagent, we decided that it, like it, it was kind of, um, We've seen that even though Reagent is great in terms of stability, it, it lags behind, and mm. uh, uh, not, not even React, but because of that, the ecosystem is moving faster than Reagent, the ecosystem of React components, right? When you build mm. a product, you don't want to be re-writing, writing all of your components by hand unless it's small, right? Mm. Uh, you wanna reuse UI components and, and I don't know, hooks from, 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 from NPM, for example. And um, yeah, you have to be basically uh, like, you have, you have to catch up with all of that. And Reagent did introduce uh, support for hooks and a functional component. But because Reagent tries to be backwards compatible Um, we now have uh, different ways of creating a component, an element in reagent. We have this F syntax. So it adds additional layers of complexity or like something that you have to be aware of in order Mm -hmm. to use a component. Because if you have a component with hooks and you render it as a typical reagent component without the F part, then there's going to be an error. So it's those small things that led Mm -hmm. us to understand that, okay, we... We wanna be closer to uh, React, to React with hooks. And the other part of it was um, probably more than half of UI engineers at Pitch are coming from JavaScript background. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason for that is Pitch is quite interesting front-end application. It's it's mostly client-side, offline. Well, we use uh, uh, IndexedDB. DB so and and it's and it's quite demanding in terms of performance slides mm-hmm. rendering and and presenting experience has to be good Animations, so it requires yeah. a good knowledge of the front end technologies right and mm-hmm. closure community is awesome but it's small and it's really hard to find both closure engineer and a really great front end engineer in there so mm-hmm. at a certain scale in a company it makes sense to start hiring good front-end engineers, no matter in which language they write, was, right. right? So, and, and of course, most of them are coming from JavaScript background, and most of them are uh, already used to React and the patterns that are standard there, right, for React <laughs> itself. So yeah. one of the decisions, like the other decision for UIX was, okay, we wanna be closer to React because we want engineers to be able to reuse their knowledge, their experience. Right, and, but and, the gap yeah.
0: between React or JavaScript and ClojureScript.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. just make <laughs> it a little bit narrow.
0: <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so you decided to do this UIX2, uh, and like, why, like, you forked the UIX1, and you yeah. did a couple of changes for UIX2. Why not just continue with UIX1? What was the breaking parts? Uh, it turned
1: out to be a completely different library. Like, the way it works, the way it looks, the syntax is different, Mm -hmm. and um, yeah, I've decided that, okay, I will keep it separate, and then I will develop UIX 2 within pitch, and I will keep it open source, and I'd like it to be inside of organization, because uh, it... uh, it's more likely than it will be supported by organization than when it's like on its own. And will, for example, when I will go right. away, um, but yeah, it's open source, so anyone can contribute. And I actually have a couple of people from Closure community who started adopting U I X two at work, and they're contributing actually to the library, which is I'm right.
0: very grateful for. All <laughs> right. Uh, and so what are the main differences between U I X and, for example, like the Reagent? Like, I mean, apart from you mentioned hiccup, U I X also is using hiccup. Yeah. So the, the first version did use hiccup.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the second one, UIX two doesn't have hiccup. Uh, we adopted uh, dollar syntax from Helix library. Mm-hmm. Uh, before before deciding on syntax, we tried different uh, approaches. Even using hiccup with uh, how is it called a tag uh, with tags, uh, the tag literals mm-hmm. thing. Tag liter- literals. Yeah. Yeah, but it turned out to be like not very good experience for structural editing and also code started to be highly nested. Mm-hmm. And since we wanted to pre-compile all the hiccup anyway, we decided like, okay, we don't need hiccup at all. We'll just use macros or functions. And because we started using macros, the dollar macro for UI, for describing UI structure, uh, it actually, uh, we then discovered that it's much nicer experience because... Um, since you no, no longer have flexibility of hiccup at runtime, um, I mean some applications do need it, for example, if you want to generate forms from data, right? We don't need that. Um, mm-hmm. We tend to have pretty static um, UI components, and it worked quite well because you no, you no longer have this powerful flexibility and you have, instead you have restriction of writing uh, UI structure as static as possible, it also helped with readability, right? Mm-hmm. Because w- when you can do is hiccup everything at runtime, you can write really weird code that will take you at least a couple of minutes to understand what component is doing. Mm-hmm. But if it's more like HTML, I mean, it doesn't look like HTML, it's a more like a closure function call, but it looks static and it's really easy to understand what's happening there. I think it's also a really great benefit for uh, maintainability of application code that you are writing. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So you mentioned one part, uh, which was the uh, conversion or like uh, familiarity of JavaScript people knowing. uh, Was there any kind of like performance issues that you might have that you said, you know, uh, the U I X might be better than the reagent? I mean,
1: one thing is hiccup, but it's... um it only makes sense when we are micro benchmarking, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you take a typical product built with React, I mean, with any front-end technology, and if you, and if at, at its core it's UI structure that is being interpreted at runtime, <coughs> most likely it's gonna be the least performance problem that you have, right? Mm-hmm. Most perf- more most of performance problems live in your data, how you work with data, how you work with DOM, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah like purely on benchmark inside, UIX is going to be faster because it, it basically skips interpretation right? Mm-hmm. it just calls into React itself mm-hmm. uh, but yeah and on the other hand it all depends on, on, on in some cases when you have a large screen and most of it has to be updated and hiccup interpretation still contributes into the, the overall update cycle Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah. It, it surfaces at scale, yes, and otherwise it, it it's purely benchmarking thing.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, so you're doing the migration, you said 50-50 right now of the pitch is you know, reagent, the other 50 is the UIX. Uh, and how is that going? And like, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, so I think, so when in 2021 I started writing into v2 and after a year in 2022 yeah, actually i think it was in april we started migrating so there was a point where we we're like okay we've tested it on a couple of uh, parts of, of pitch it works quite well so we'll start kind of official migration it's not going to be just everyone uh, sits and then starts rewriting all of UI components. Right. We'll just gradually migrate component by component when you work on a feature or like fixing bugs, you can you notice reagent component, just rewrite it. Um, yeah, and right now uh, 60% actually of components are UIX and the other one is reagent components. Migration in general is going very well um, because most of UI components are just, they're just rendering DOM. Uh, maybe there is a local state, but port in local state from ratoms to uh, hooks, in most cases, is straightforward. Uh, of course, there is, a, there is a question of reframe or maybe like special reagent syntax. There is like this error with let, that is quite different from how you write components in pure React uh, with hooks. Um, but for that, we kind of do it, crowdsourcing <laughs> uh, experience of people who already did it and we have a slack channel where you can post um a question if you're not sure how to do something and and everyone will help you uh, so it's a collective effort it takes time but there is no pressure and it's going it's going really well one one thing that uh, i in particular like about the way how we're doing migration is that we put effort into introducing some functions and d- for developer kind of experience um process of migrating from reagent to u i x so for example, let's say you were writing reagent component into u i x but you forgot to remove hiccup. you just like change it the way a component is created, change it the state, but you left hiccup in 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 u x component of course, there's gonna be an error uh and what we did, we created a development type, development time checks mm-hmm. in UIX components that will say, okay, you're using Hiccup, perhaps you forgot to rewrite it to UIX, uh, mm-hmm. or like you are using Reframe subscription using uh, RF subscribe. Hey, we have a hook for that, so uh, it. It's kind of similar to uh, how React is going deep into uh kind of helping you to deal with certain issues for example like you you should be following the rules of hooks right so react will will have a a very nice warning for you so i've tried to do this as well so we can have smooth uh, transition um, from reagent to UIX, and it it works quite well people like
0: it right so apart from the library there is also some tooling uh, that helps you to migrate things yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, what what is yeah, what is included in the tooling?
1: Yeah, so I think the the, the, the main part is built-in linter. Mm-hmm. Uh and I think the motivation for it originally was so in React there is such a thing as hooks dependencies, right? There is an mm-hmm. effect or use effect hook or use memo or use callback. And they all have uh, an array of dependencies. And it can be, if you, if you don't know really well what that means and how that's supposed to be working, it can be confusing uh, or you can just skip it entirely. And introduce a bug in in how uh, hook works, and it can have a user facing issue later on. Um, But the basic idea is, if you have free variables in the body of a hook, so references to variables in the outer scope, you -hmm. have to include them in um, in dependency array as well. So instead of thinking it as being a requirement, we should be thinking, okay, my hook should be always tracking free variables so it should be subscribed to them right Mm -hmm. and whenever they change the hook will rerun Um, and it almost to me it almost feels like this is something that should not be exposed to developers because at times it, it is super annoying like why I should be like pleasing the program by doing some additional uh, insert in those dependencies I don't really care about them mm-hmm. and and indeed like just recently I learned that it's going to go away because for JavaScript React they're working on a compiler that will fill in all uh, dependencies for you so it's a low level thing that was exposed onto developers but it, it didn't have to be that, that way and now mm-hmm. they're kind of like hiding it from you by introducing another level of abstraction on top of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but normally in JavaScript world, this was this is sold with ES, uh, linter plugin. So ES <laughs> lint is a plugin for for JavaScript. Um, and this plugin will warn you that hey, you have some dependencies that are missing in dependencies array. And you can fix it by just pressing one button and it will do all the magic for you.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: okay. And I really wanted that in in UIX, because I realized we'll start migrating from reagent, we will start using UIX more, and especially those who are used to reagent do the way uh, of doing things in reagent, those people will have hard times understanding uh, what I should do here in order to like make it work okay, uh, mm-hmm. make it work fine without issues. And what I did, I basically ported ESLint plugin to uh, uh, a custom linter that is baked in in the macro that you use in Def UI macro that you use in UIX to create a component, mm-hmm. and yeah, it, it works the same way. Like if you if you if you have an error, um, if you have a missing dependency, it will shout at you at compile time, not in the editor. Uh, that, that's that's actually what I like about it because it doesn't require any additional tooling. Because it's inside of a macro, inside of the library itself, your project won't even compile or actually you will get a warning, but you, you can skip it. But if your build step is configured to treat warnings and error, as errors, uh, it will fail locally. The build will right. fail locally. The build will fail in CI. You will be presented with a nice error message that says here is an error and here is what you should do with the vector dependencies to make it work. So this part is the most uh, important I think not only to complain about something being wrong but, but also suggest a fix for it mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah and uh, it, it works quite well and um, I, I've got feedback internally that people actually like that they are being shouted at by the compiler because like right. I, I don't want to be dealing with this just tell me wh- what to do <laughs>
0: right 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 <laughs> Yeah. so uh, you, of course you're using uh, reframe Still, and you're sort of switching only the reagent part, the view part of the component. Uh, Is there anything, anything that one needs to consider to, you know, connecting this to Reframe? Yeah,
1: of course. Yeah, you're right. We're still using Reframe, and um, we don't have plans on moving on from Reframe. Maybe only for some parts of uh, of UI. Um, So, a little bit of history. Uh, we started with reagent and reframe, and we started with um, having all data in reframe. Um, the benefit of that is it's traceable. You can trace what happens, when it happens, and it's really easy to coordinate state updates and understand what's happening in your application. Uh, the downside is of, is of course verbosity. You have to write a lot of code, effects, co-effects, and all right. of that stuff, but it's also a benefit because it makes testing a little bit easier. Um, but yeah, the downside is performance. Mm-hmm. Immutable data is nice. Subscriptions and like basically the signal graph is also a nice. It's easy to use, but when it becomes slow, as a developer, you have to put quite an effort to improve it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there, I look at it always from two sides. Like immutable data gives you an ability to write code as you as you like it to be and basically don't care about how change between two states two state values will be inferred because we have a mutable data structure we have subscription graph mm-hmm. it it handles quite nicely so I would say you don't care uh, you don't care about how how you write into the state but you care about how you read into the state you can just update a data structure, but then your read side of things, subscription graph will figure out uh, what I- what exactly changed, and it's quite nice from developer experience side of things. But for performance, it's it's not really great when you have a lot of stuff, and you then you have to write code in a certain way. Um, yeah, so th- there's there is always an upside and downside, right? Um, yeah, so we started. Um, migrating some of the components were to use local state because it didn't make sense to use global state for them if it's like a, a reusable right. component where uh, its piece of state is only related to its internals and outer world should not be yeah. uh, knowing anything about it right um, but yeah we still have like 90% of state in uh, in 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 reframe and of course we will will not uh, probably ever uh, get rid of it, and that's not what we want to do, right? Right. Um, So I had to introduce some kind of a gluing layer between reframe subscriptions and UIX, and the reason why additional work was needed there, um, because reframe subscriptions are implemented on top of reagent reactions, and reagent reaction is like an Atom-like uh, data type that gives you an ability to subscribe to uh, to changes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that that that's what Reagent works with. Works with. So that's why it works fine. But for your uh, UIX or well, we can even tell like for pure React components because UIX is basically like a pure React component. It doesn't have any state yeah. wrappers. Um, Yeah, retoms, reactions, they're not going to work for UIX because React component doesn't know what it is. It doesn't know how to subscribe to to an atom. So uh, I had to write this gluing layer that will subscribe component to an atom to a reaction that is returned from reframe subscription. Mm -hmm. And this layer is basically using the use external source or something like this hook that exists in React and it was exactly created uh, so that React components can be subscribed to external source of of data. Mm -hmm. So it can be anything, it can be local storage, it can be WebSocket connection, it can be a a reframe subscription. And yeah, and I I wrote this hook, it's quite nice, it works really well. There are some differences in how Um, state updates are um, delivered to a component, which makes it a little bit tricky to understand why you have like a race condition in your UI when you use both reagent with a reframe and UIX and reframe and those, like (laughs) let's say it's a rare case, (laughs) but sometimes uh, when the moon in a certain position, you know, <laughs> you can have right. a weird warning right, in right. your console. Uh, but yeah, that that's just the way it is. And because basically Reagent has its own scheduling mechanism and rendering loop and Rea- React has its own a little bit different scheduling mechanism for updates. It's based on different set of timers and timeouts. Right. Um, there is like, there is a way to synchronize them but <laughs> sometimes there can be an error. Um, yeah. yeah, and and this hook it's called "You Subscribe." Uh, it's not a part of UIX itself, but you can find it in uh, documentation. There is a source code. It, it's quite short. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah, uh, when I would like to start to use UIX, like what's the best way to go for it?
1: Uh, yeah, you can install it. For, you can install it uh, from. Uh, what was it called?
0: Not from Maven,
1: yeah, closures, right? You can mm-hmm. install it from closures. There is a UIX core and UIX DOM packages, similar to React. How you have React and React DOM, and for React Native, you don't need anything. Just you don't need React UIX DOM. Just use UIX uh, core, and that's it. Because in 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 React Native, there is no like <laughs> native component. You have mm-hmm. to require everything. Uh, as a module by hand so it works quite well and we actually have a mobile app and it's uh, not all of it but there is also like a, a, a migration process and uh, some of the components are written in UIX so it works quite well. Yeah, um, so you can start with closures but there is also um, a starter template. It's a reference from UIX to repo mm-hmm. uh, so you can use this template, GitHub template, to start a project. And also you can use uh, NPX, create UX, app command, which will scaffold the project for you from the template. So if you're used to something like uh, create React app or this family of scaffolding tools, right. that's something that you can use. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, like, you know, so this is uh, relying a lot, of course, on React, on JavaScript. Like, uh, what's your practice on sort of keeping on top of everything that's happening in JavaScript world?
1: Uh, I no longer do that, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm lagging behind a lot. I, I only recently started, like, switched for my like hobby projects or experimentations, prototypes. I've switched from Webpack to ES Build. Uh-huh. Uh, I've tried White. Uh, I mean, there is a lot of build tools out there yeah. right now. The last time I was like deep into that stuff, I remember there was Webpack, um, yeah. Rollup, brow- Browserify was kind of. Uh, uh, the old day thing right. already Turbo I, pack. Mean, talk- triple, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Turbo pack is probably a new one from Versal or something
0: yes that's the one yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so I'm using e s build it is quite nice it's super fast error messages are cool it's easy to set up it has a lot of um what i what I like like I think f- f- uh, javascript frontend community went through um years of like installing plugins to Webpack for JSX, for Babel and new features and all of that. And after some years, people realized, okay, we tend to use all of that 90% of the time. Let's have a bundler that already supports all of this. So now you don't need those plugins. You just say, okay, uh, I'm using... You don't even have to say I'm using React. It will understand that there is JSX and it will compi- compile it right. for you. So it's it's quite nice experience. But yeah, I, I like behind a lot. Um, I, I, I read documentation from time to time. I don't have time to watch talks. Uh, I used to enjoy watching talks and listening to podcasts. But nowadays I more listen to podcasts than, than watching talks because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's just you have something in the background and you listen right. to it. Right right
0: right. Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know, apart from the uh, advantages of using something like React because of the huge ecosystem, uh y- you sometimes of course pay the price of like trying to keep up with the ecosystem, right? Like you mentioned the mm-hmm. hooks, who knows what will be the next thing. Uh but do you think there is also space for a native uh closure script DOM library if you will?
1: Yeah, I mean, why not? I don't know. It's it's uh it sounds like a lot of work, especially if we talk about uh, like this new wave of front-end frameworks, which is uh Solid.js and Svelte. So apart how they are doing state management, they are also doing uh, DOM updates differently, mm-hmm. right? They are highly granular. And when you think about it, it's actually very similar to reframe in the way how not how updates delivered, but how you can achieve that with reframe. Mm -hmm. So how Solid.js works, for example, instead of state update triggering rerun of the entire component and rebuilding uh, virtual DOM, Um, and then like applying diffing and figuring out what what changed. In Solid.js, if you have data which is coming out of state and the compiler inside of solid.js is smart enough to figure out, okay, this data that is gonna be updated is used only in this and this component, not even component, mm-hmm. but markup. So there is like, you, you can see that it kind of breaks through, uh, like breaks into a lower level through a component to individual elements inside of a component, so it not it doesn't subscribe a component to changes. It subscribes individual elements that are returned from the component. So that's why your component never reruns in Solid JS, and that's very confusing for me as a as a React person because I used to okay, if if component updates, if if state updates, component reruns, mm-hmm. and now suddenly yeah, that's not true. It's a function. A component in Solid JS is just a. For means of modularity, so you can yeah. break things apart like in, in smaller pieces mm-hmm. and and that's what you can do in reframe because reframe gives you this granularity of delivering updates uh, through subscriptions so right. basically what you could do is you could subscribe each element uh, to to different re- reframe subscriptions and, and they will um, they will update uh, it's. Most likely doable in Clojure Script. I don't know. Um I think it's with macros it's gonna be harder or less straightforward to implement because when you have more like in JavaScript a full program kind of analysis mm-hmm. where it's not collocated like with a macro but it's just a compiler that runs on everything, uh it sounds like it's gonna it's much it's it's more feasible to do it this way because you are in control, like you see the whole program, right? And you can shuffle things around, yeah. compile things, understand what's happening in different parts of a program and maybe it helps with optimizations. But with macros, the, the benefit is that they are uh, co-located, you have a macro per thing, right? Mm-hmm. But if you, if you wanna do something on the whole program, it's, it's not as, 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 yeah. a, as useful. Cool
0: very good uh would there be anything else you would like to chat about in terms of like uix or anything um uh, i guess I there know. is a closure on slack channel if someone wants any kind of help and stuff
1: oh ah, yeah of course yeah on closure and slack there is uix channel um yeah if you need any help if you're just starting or you're migrating for, from Reagent because it's like or from any other basically wrapper, it can be confusing. Just go there, ask a question and you'll get help,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking time chatting about UIX and I'll catch you another time. Thank you.